What's going on, guys? Um, welcome to episode 64 of the Fuel for Football podcast. I am your host, Sanchez Bailey, and I kind of got a little bit emotional thinking it's going to be one of the last few episodes of the season, you know? So, wow. Um, I've had a good run this season. I feel like, to be honest, since I really started the podcast, it kind of was interrupted with COVID and stuff like that. So this has almost been like the first full season, I believe on the top of my head I think so I'm not sure anyway the point being it's great to be here it's great to to have the feedback and this you know I'm just uh yeah it's a shame and it'll be interesting to see how the next season goes especially with the world cup I've got some good things planned in my head so hopefully I can make those things a reality but hey let's get to it we're at a real business end of the season. I feel like I said at every episode, but I guess every week is important, right? Especially as you're getting closer to uh, the end of where people are either have closed their season, fighting for something for the season, and maybe entering into a highly competitive space, i.e. cup finals, uh, playoffs, you know. So, yeah, this is a, this is a time for big games, right? And does it mean that these big games are more important than the ones beforehand? Not necessarily, because if you treated those games that were not seen as big games, maybe as serious, let's just say league-wise, then maybe those, these games now towards the end might not be so important or like so magnified, for an example. So let's just say, if, you know, we, we see the top four battle between the North London teams. Let's just say if they had greater form in the earlier parts of the season, it's probably not much of a discussion to be had, like a Chelsea, but who have now started to enter into a conversation because of their bad form. So, um, I don't know. Games are important, yes, but maybe uh, it's important for us to address the first instance of, of competitive games would be important so that maybe as you get closer towards the end of the season, um, you're maintaining and these games are not magnified because of the need for you to get points, for instance. hope that makes sense. But teams like Liverpool and City, it's, look, every game's a big game for them because they have done so well previously, you know. So um, take what I say with a pinch of salt regarding that. But then also you might be in competitive spaces where you're pushing for something or you're trying to escape something. So, yes, these big these games here are bigger than one, uh, than maybe earlier on in the season because of the fact that there are there is a real uh, conse- I don't think consequential is a word, but there's a real um, result. There's an, a, a massive result that comes from these upcoming matches. I feel like I just contradicted myself. But anyway, let me get to the point where I won't be contradicting myself. So what I've been noticing, actually, uh, during this business end of the season, are players standing up. I've been seeing it. Let me just try and name a few. Richarlison yesterday, standing up, putting themselves on, on, on the line one minute after the second half. I think that's important because that means you've come out with a mentality and come out with the application uh, to nullify whatever the other team might have tried to come out and, and do. I think that's so important to come out within the second half and really take advantage of uh, another team. And that kind of knocks the stuff in that other team. Maybe they came out motivated and wanting to do something and then 
bish bash bosh like um and you can see the the crowds and the effect and the keeper beautiful all right cool uh we had benzema i think benzema stepped up you know um done his thing against manchester city ironically uh even though they lost on the flip side kevin de bruyne oh my goodness he was balling he was playing i watched that game um in retrospect i didn't watch it live well who else um i guess sadio mane for liverpool right uh stepping up in the in the big times i don't know who scored yeah he, he scored for them on the weekend and who scored it hold on let me check i don't you know me i like to be factual so who scored for liverpool against villarreal i'm sure you guys are whoever's listening right now <laughs> or the listeners should i say are screaming out the name to me right this second but i do want to find out um hold on goodness me i don't know why it's taking me so long but liverpool versus villarreal right let's check i didn't watch the game clearly okay they won two now Mane again and it was a known goal but I don't know who was influential in that gosh Villarreal only had they had no shots on target Liverpool are serious but anyway so we've got Liverpool who else can we mention right now I, I can't think of anyone in the top of my hoop yeah so we mentioned pretty much some of the game changers in, in Europe right now and how can this be done with so much pressure? Let's explore all the pressures that every team has. So Everton are playing the Champions League holders. Right? The Champions League holders. Yes, they probably lost that like reputation or like that fair factor. But they've played they're playing the European champions, right? They are also playing within the relegation zone. The season ended right now, they're relegated. So they're played in the zone. Where, and they also have another game in hand, meaning like the pressure is on them to get something from this game potentially so that they can maybe take full advantage of their game in hand and maybe escape. So there's pressure on them to do something because almost if they don't get a point minimum, they their game in hand won't really mean much, you know? So there was massive pressure for them to do something in that game. And they did that and Richarlison stepped up and Jordan Pickford stepped up. So it's it's not necessarily just saying one man needs to step up. These are players in different positions of the team. And for them to maintain a clean sheet, I work with goalkeepers, I work with strikers. Like, it's never all on you anyway. I always make mention that it's going to be 12 or 11 or 10 to 13, 14 players that are actually going to contribute to whether there's a clean sheet that's maintained or whether a, a goal scored, you know. It's all collaborative. However, we can mention some of the more standout incidents that happen from either a goalkeeper or a striker. Liverpool now. Liverpool have oh, their pressure. I feel the pressure as, as a football fan um, for Liverpool and Manchester City. I just think, gosh, like, how could they handle the pressure just knowing that if they do one slip-up, um, it's done? And conversely, I also think how much motivation would the team that they play have knowing that they ruined it for them, <laughs> you know? So, like, let's just say, who did Liverpool play on the weekend? They played Watford, right? What motivation would it be? Let's check the standings. Gosh, I'm checking the Champions League standings. What motivation would it be 
they didn't play Watford, sorry, it was um, Newcastle. So Newcastle, I believe, from my memory, are like kind of safe. But, and, excuse me, sorry, they are on form from what I've heard. Well, they were in the relegation zone, right? So what motivation would it be for Newcastle at home to ruin the party for Liverpool? You know, they're probably like the northern rivals as well. Who did City play? I just want to kind of... Man City. They played Leeds, no? Yeah, they played Leeds, 4-0. All right. And then also Leeds, who are trying to survive as well. They're kind of safe at the moment. But what kind of motivation would it give Man Leeds to know that they could ruin the party for one of the best teams in the Premier League or maybe Champions League finalists or potential winners? You know, it would galvanise those teams. And think it's a great opportunity for them to maybe change the course of their season. So there's a lot of motivation that these players would have, right? And and there's a lot of frustration that they could easily cause the team. So you go half time without uh, conceding a goal, that's really gonna put a lot onto the the players and the fans as well. So I then think, what on earth could they be going through? How are they feeling? Like, how are they in taking the pressure? At the same time, I think it's exciting. I think it's an exciting opportunity to just fight to the wire and do your very best and, you know, come out. There's a, there's a, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. And then Benzema, you know, um, slash Real Madrid, like going through what they were going through with City, Benzema kind of knowing that most of the goals are coming from him. You know, playing the team who dominated the possession. How are you going to keep that uh, chance to, to stay on top of your game? And also the penalty. Big game player. Like, that was audacious. Um, and I can't even coach that myself. Meaning, like, how could you mentally prepare someone to do that? I don't know. Like, you just got to have that thing about like it's not even what I mean is actually how could I work with a goalkeeper to know he's going to do that that's just kind of uncoachable in a sense you know um, yeah it's tough or you now got to have that in consideration that he's a flair player but even the result didn't even explain I'm yapping right now but the result didn't even explain him taking that shot you know it's like you're losing at the same time it's an away goal but if you miss that whew Real Madrid fans are, are not, and the media are not really easy to play with. Anyway, let's get to the main point. The subject and the matter of, matter of this episode, it took me 10 minutes to say it, is being a big game player. How can you be a big game player? And it's kind of, it's, it's a mentality that comes from before you even step foot on that pitch. It's mental prep. Now, the reason why I gave you all of this context, because the things that I'm going to say, which is going to be quick, short, or sharp, but it's context now. So one of the most important things is that you've got to be able to prepare yourself to play the best version of the opposition possible. Furthermore, I might even go and say, you might want to prepare for the best version of them on steroids, <laughs> right? So... As I was saying to the teams that were playing Man City and uh, Leeds, as a Man City fan or player, you would be preparing to face Leeds that are you, uh, Leeds that you've never faced before. 
Elise that you will never ever see again. That's the type of opposition you should be preparing yourself to play. If you're a Chelsea player, you should be preparing yourself to play the most difficult match you would ever face at the Goodison Park 1 and then also against Everton. You're going to see the best version of those players that you've ever seen in your whole entire life, right? Um, they've never been relegated before, so you're going to see something that's going to be extraordinary. And this is the mentality, mentality that you need to have. Sometimes you might be going to a playoff game and you should know some of these teams that you're playing and opposition and maybe some players, maybe some players that you don't really rate, maybe players that you do rate. However, despite the quality of them, it's important for you to make sure that you prepare yourself. And, and when you're thinking of the game and mentally preparing and visualising and just casting yourself in that scenario and just building that familiarity in your mind, you want to create and prepare for the very best version you're going to face. Right? But then what do you do after that? You then also need to, to, to place yourself in that scenario where you're negating all of those strengths, you know, or you're combating and you're com being competitive amidst their strengths. So if you're playing someone, let's just use FIFA stats for example, that's got 99 attack and 99 pace and everything, you should be picturing yourself being able to com com competitively combat those uh, strengths. You're defending against a 99 attack and 99 pace with your ability and your strength, right? Right? They might have assets that might trump yours. Let's just say 99 pace. You might not have 99 pace. But you have now, or you should be picturing yourself with maybe some tactical adjustments and things that you would do in order to negate that. Whether you're defending deep, for example, or whatever the situation may be, or you're maintaining a possession or, you know, whatever the situation may be that negates their strengths. So those are the two kind of steps, right, that need to go into becoming a big game player. And, and thirdly, this is, this is almost like a challenge, so to speak. It's a bonus piece of application. But whatever impact that you want to be leaving on the game, you've got to be doing that. You've got to be practicing that in training. You know, take it back to when you was a kid, right? Mine was, mine was Ronaldo. I was score. And I'll do the celebration with the, with the finger tap or the finger bounce, whatever we want to call it, right? Hopefully you know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> and then what happens? What do you think happened when I scored in the school? What do you think happened when I scored um, in a school match or playground? I'm doing that exact same thing because I've been practicing that and that's my, that's my go-to. So you want to create your go-to in those games, whether it's going to be taking early shots, early crosses, which I've recently been seeing that is really... Uh, working for many people early crosses early shots that's not making the goalkeeper and defenders ready maybe I'll do an episode on that but these are some things that you can be practicing so that when you are in the scenario that you prepared for you pre mentally prepared for them to be at their best but you're still able to execute despite them being at their best and that is it seems simple but I'm telling you it's not so simple for you to mentally prepare yourself in in such a way not many people know that and then also for you to actually go out there and apply that and picture yourself applying that as well those are the things that help you become a big game player because it's not really necessarily uh you stepping up it's preparing yourself 
I want to say that one more time. You becoming a big game player is not necessarily you stepping up. It's you preparing yourself. Preparing yourself mentally. Preparing yourself physically. Making sure that you are adequately ready to, to negate all the strengths that the other team has. Um, or possesses, should I say. And then also maximising your opportunity and preparing yourself physically for what you're going to be doing. And there you have that method in terms of being a big game player from the mental side, right? Which then obviously complements the physical. Anyway, I've gone a little bit over time. I'm hoping that the context gives you context. <laughs> and I hope that in your respective competitive spaces that you're able to be a big game player for your teams. All right, all the best and on to next week. Take care.